0: Hello, teacher friends! This is episode number 9. That is, by the way, the last of the single digits. (laughs) My name is Christina Whitlock, and I am here for you anytime you need a little bit of time with a piano teacher friend. Today, yes, tis the season, we are talking about holiday studio traditions, those that we love, those that we might want to start, or those that it is okay to let go of, either just for now. Or maybe for always. <laughs> As I was compiling these ideas, it became very apparent to me that I actually needed two episodes to cover everything that I wanted to chat about. So strap on your jingle bells, my friend, <laughs> because here comes part one of Beyond Measure Podcasts Holiday Reconsiderations if you haven't figured it out by now, um, I love a disclaimer. <laughs> so here is today's. There are a lot of feelings around the ideas of inclusivity and holiday traditions, and that matters a lot to me. Um, I will say that to me, The sanctity of my celebration of Christmas is not in any way threatened by also acknowledging the fact that lots of other people celebrate other traditions that are meaningful to them this time of year. (laughs) I do think it's safe to say that the vast majority of us celebrate something in some way this time of year. And I just can't encourage you enough to know your studios, know your people, know their families, and use what you know to approach your families accordingly. The month of December and into January for me should be one of warmth and joy and love And it is just not a good time to alienate other families by failing to acknowledge that they celebrate a different faith tradition than you. So as you plan, whatever holiday festivities or rituals that you plan for your students, just make sure that you are not leaving anyone out or failing to acknowledge the fact that you have likely a variety of opinions and approaches to this time of year. Okay, that's it. Disclaimer over. So, traditions. (laughs) Traditions are beautiful and they're really important You know, science tells us that our deepest memories come from multi-sensory experiences, which is why I think holiday time memories tend to stay with us for so long. Because of course, this time of year, we have more things to look at, to listen to, to taste and to smell uh, associated with this time of year, I think than any other time. So knowing that, It's important to me to make sure that I am creating positive memories in my studio this time of year, because they're likely to stick with my students for a really long time, if not their entire lifetime. So just like family traditions, sometimes our traditions are amazing and really fulfilling. Uh, Sometimes they're just okay. Okay and some are, frankly, just not worth their hassle. (laughs) Since everything feels just a little bit more energy-sucking this time of year, (laughs) it's really important that we take our time to evaluate what has the most life-giving bang for its buck (laughs) and what we could possibly let go for a season or more. So here's an example Like many of you, I grew up having a piano recital every December and every May. So when I began teaching, I carried on that tradition, having recitals every December and every May, uh, because that's just what you did. Well, probably 12 years ago, for whatever reason, I decided not to have a December recital. I made all kinds of apologies for it. But to my surprise, my studio families were all overwhelmingly thankful to have that commitment off their calendars. The following year, because of that reaction, I took an informal survey, and again, families almost all unanimously begged me not to hold a December recital. Now, mind you, these were committed studio families who made piano a priority in their lives, but they just felt so overrun with other commitments uh, that we all just came to a mutual decision that we would put December recitals on hold for a while. Um, And I have to tell you, I have not returned since. (laughs) Each year, I usually pick a family or two and I just pick their brain in casual conversation, And again, almost always, I get a response that's like, oh yeah, I'm so appreciative that we don't have a Christmas recital this year. (laughs) Um, And I should say their response is more like, well, if you think it's what they need to do, we would do it. Um, But I kind of laugh at that because it just reminds me that I am the one in charge of this operation (laughs) and the parents are trusting me to make the best call for my students. And for me, I've been able to come up with a lot of other things that I think are more beneficial and serve us all a little bit better. And for my studio, that's where we're at. Now I say that being fully cognizant of the fact that all of our studios have different makeups. So, holiday recitals might be a beloved tradition in your studio, and people may love them, and you might feel that they are exactly what your students need, and that is fantastic. So, rock on, my teacher friends, have the best holiday recital ever. (laughs) But this year, of course, we're also dealing with pandemic situations, which make for a lot of questions and a lot of concerns um, around those recital. Events. So, I wanted to offer up a few things that I do alternatively to a traditional holiday recital. Because you see, in getting rid of a holiday recital, I have been freed up to run all kinds of other activities that for me are much more life giving and I feel like are providing my students with a really beneficial experience. On the big picture, I've got a note that in lieu of a December recital, um, I actually started out running what I call preview recitals or preview masterclasses in February, and that is where my students get performance experience out of all of their spring festival and competition repertoire that they've been working on. Um, And that, again, at least for me, has proven to be so much more beneficial for them than a holiday recital. And as a side note, it also allows me to spend my entire fall semester working through lesson plans that are entirely 100% concept-driven And not kind of stalled out when we hit the holiday season just because we're working on perfecting our holiday recital repertoire, right? And I really love that. And so, without a December recital, you might be wondering, what do I do to honor the holiday season? Well, here are a handful of ideas that I hope will at least get your own wheels turning First up, let's talk about what I call our December performance challenge. (laughs) My students know that I feel very strongly that music should be shared. And especially in the month of December, I think it's something easy that we can do that brings a lot of joy to other people. So I always tell them it's like our duty as musicians to share music this time of year right? <laughs> so each year I make up a simple printable and I ask students to collect a signature from each person that they play a complete piece for in the month of December. So then I collect those sheets that first week of back in January and I award a prize or prizes for whoever got the most signatures. And this is something that's optional, but I've been very pleased with the number of students who choose to participate. Um, There's something about that incentive of whatever the prize happens to be that helps them get really excited. And in return, this means that they are playing music for a lot of people. And that, of course, is really the mission. As with all things, of course, there is a learning curve to this kind of thing. So here are some rules that I've added over the years. So first of all, there is only one signature allowed per person. (laughs) If you don't say that, then very likely they're going to come back with like 30 signatures from their mom. (laughs) So uh, only one signature per person Two, this one's funny, but has proven necessary. No signatures from pets. (laughs) At least I don't think that pets count. You can make that call yourself. (laughs) Um, Three... I only allow a maximum of 10 signatures per single performance. So, this came up when I have a lot of students who are playing for school Christmas programs or church programs where you have a lot of people in attendance. And of course, depending on the event, that could like wipe everyone else out of the challenge immediately (laughs) in one fell swoop. So, that's not really the spirit of what we're going for. So, I tell them that. For each performance, they can collect no more than 10 signatures. And if they can't actually collect those signatures, I let the parents vouch for them. Um, I've got great trustworthy families that I don't think are cheating on our holiday performance challenge. (laughs) Uh, In terms of prizes, I've done lots of things over the years, but my best advice is to just go ahead and offer out some cash because I find that nothing is more motivating than cash dollars. (laughs) And I often want not tell them the award amount because it kind of depends on, first of all, how many winners I would have or how many runners up I might decide I wanted to award if I had some close numbers. So I always tell them, um, you know, that they will win, uh, you know, the actual winner will win no less than $20, but it could possibly be more. And that's pretty enticing. As a slight variation I will tell you that I originally started the performance challenge a few years ago when I was only running it over the weeks we were out on winter break. So I would give them the challenge the last week of lessons for the year, and then that was my way of keeping them playing over the holiday break. And that also works. So if you're listening to this episode a little bit later than the beginning of December, then you could still jump on board and hopefully, you know, get your students excited to stay at the piano over their holiday break. Um, But at the same time, I have just noticed that, of course, if I run it the entire month of December, that means they're more motivated to play the entire month, which I consider a big win. Okay, so that was our December performance challenge, and now I want to talk to you about holiday performance videos. So each year, I use December as a month to record videos of my students playing, and this tends to be a Christmas piece or two, but that is not always the case. You know, if they're working on big competition rep, this is when we'll take a break and really work on recording those pieces. So as I record these videos the month of December, I spend a great deal of time in the evenings packaging those recordings together into shareable musical gifts for student, family, and friends. So this is what I do. Um, I start out by using the app Canva, and in Canva, I create a personalized graphic that usually says something like, a gift for you from... Billy and Whitlock Piano Studio, you know, obviously changing that for each student's name. Notice um, that it is non-holiday specific, like if I just say something like a gift for you that doesn't insinuate any one holiday, (laughs) and I do include the name of my studio because they end up sharing these things, and it's a nice way to spread awareness of your work around your community. So then I use iMovie on my phone or iPad, and I build each student a video that begins with that graphic I made in Canva, and then it transitions into a simple greeting from the student, which is usually just them saying, hey, Merry Christmas, or whatever they want to say, and that transitions into their performance video or videos. Sometimes they record one, sometimes if they're on a roll, we'll do two or three. It's really whatever they have recorded well. (laughs) So lastly, I end with another graphic from Canva. This is something usually just generic about how fortunate we are to be able to give the gift of music this time of year. Again, non-holiday specific and just warm and fuzzy and nice feeling, right? I then upload each iMovie to an unlisted link in YouTube, which allows people who have the link to view the video. That just means it's not running around for general searching on YouTube, but the families can share links with family and friends and text it out um, to whoever they want. I usually send it out to parents the week of Christmas so that they can, again, distribute them as little musical gifts. It's a really lovely tradition that has come to mean a lot to me, and I hope for my students' families. Uh, But I do wanna offer a fair warning that even after years of doing this, It is a really time-consuming process, especially if you have a lot of students. I have 40, which I know is um, a lot to some of you and not very many to others, (laughs) but um, I do these videos for almost everyone. I have a couple of adults who opt out of the experience, but I also, for the record, do have other adult students who really enjoy the opportunity to have something to share with friends and family. So for me, it's well worth it because it's such a nice way for students to share their talents with family and friends who are near and far. Um, Parents love having these videos to share on social media, for the record. (laughs) And even more so, I just love having these videos to look back on, and each year I find myself looking back over previous years with previous students, and they are just the most heartwarming memories. I just love them all to pieces. So for me, the crazy amounts of time and, by the way, the large amounts of storage space required on your devices, (laughs) for me, that's all worth it. But again, this is something that I've decided is worth it to me. And that does not mean that you are going to feel the same way. So weigh it out carefully and decide if the pros are worth the cons to you and feel no pressure coming from me saying that you have to do this awesome thing. (laughs) I also wanted to take a minute and talk about my studio ornament tradition So when I was 14 and heading into my first holiday season as a piano teacher my mom suggested that I make each one of my students an ornament. This is something I grew up watching her do because for most of her career my mom was a director of nursing and for most of the month of December Our dining room table was often converted into a crafting center (laughs) because she would make ornaments for her entire nursing staff. And by the way, that makes 40 students seem like nothing. (laughs) I didn't always make ornaments for my students in the years that followed, but I will say that I have been on an unbroken streak since 2006, which was the year I got married and established my studio with its current name. So, over the years, I did wise up and begin keeping one of those ornaments for myself starting in the year 2006. So, I do have each ornament saved. And I believe this week on Instagram, I will do a little tour through my ornaments <laughs> just so you can see the things that I've done over the years. So, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can find me at Beyond Measure Podcast. Go ahead and follow me today so that you don't miss that ornament tour later this week. <laughs> but I will say that some years my ornament has been really simple, almost laughably so, but some are actually really cute too. I do have a few points of criteria that an ornament has to meet before I make it. <laughs> so, first of all, it has to be non specific to any one faith tradition. Uh, By the way, I've had students who don't even put up Christmas trees still really enjoy these because they just choose to display them as like figurines on their table. (laughs) So I don't do things like angels or, you know, nativity scenes or anything along those lines. Uh, Number two, I have to be able to personalize them with the student's name and the year that is definitely limiting in what i can choose and at the same time i feel like it just helps my students know that i did something especially for them personally as i am writing their names or painting their names on the ornaments i always take that as a chance to pray for that student and to reflect on the year that we've had and i always really enjoy being able to do that so that's kind of a big deal to me that probably means more to me than it does to them. But you know, that's the name of the game here, right? (laughs) So I do think that this is a fun tradition because I have a lot of students, you know, the first year or two that they get their ornament, you know, they might not think it's that big of a deal. But after several years, they start to treat them like collector's items. And it's really fun to hear them kind of duke it out over who has the ornament that dates back the furthest or who has the most Whitlock Piano Studio Christmas ornaments or what have you. I hang their ornaments on their very own tree in my studio at the beginning of December. And then students get to take them home either the last week before winter break or two weeks before winter break. Okay, so as I mentioned before, I realized about halfway through writing this episode that I have way more thoughts on holiday lessons than I could fit in a reasonable time frame for this one episode. So be sure to catch me back here next week when I offer up part two of our holiday reconsiderations. Um, I promise the strategies that I share next week will still be usable this year. In the meantime, let's close with a little toast! Music teacher, friends of the world, today I send you heartfelt wishes for unwavering reserves of energy as we enter the holiday season. (laughs) We all know, historically, this month is challenging as a musician and as a teacher. Piano teachers, I know that you are stating the finger combination of five, five, four, two, one, (laughs) at least daily at this point. Am I right? (laughs) My wish for you today is that you might feel empowered to reevaluate your own traditions in your studio and just double check that they really are serving you and your studio this year. 2020 has been the year of Plan B all the way down through plan H and plan Q and as far on as the eye can see. (laughs) We are all just rolling with limitations as they appear. So I encourage you to focus on what matters most. For me, that's providing a quality experience for my students and continuing to make warm, fuzzy, happy memories for them to remember this year more fondly. <laughs> we have a great opportunity to spread joy through music this month, my friends. So let's all pledge to stay the course and do our best to make it happen. <laughs> hear, hear, my teacher friends. Okay, that is a wrap on episode number nine. So be sure to follow Beyond Measure podcast on Facebook and on Instagram so you don't miss some of the accompanying visuals to this podcast this week. As I said, next week we'll take a look at some other strategies including how you can bring some love to nursing homes, even in the midst of a pandemic, as well as a tried and true way to use sounds of the season to give your students a greater sense of agency at their instruments. I have a little experiment to share, which helps bring generations together, and I'll even include a pretty funny story from some Christmas studies past. Until then, teacher friends, be well, be patient, and have a great day.